Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlock. I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Sean. Sean, thank you so much for being here today with me. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. We're going to have a ton of fun. Before we do that, uh, just give everybody kind of the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for asking. So I'm an entrepreneur. I have an LED lighting business. So it's a little bit uncommon for uh, most people. It's quite a unique niche business. Had that for about 12 years. But what I spend most of my time doing now is as a business growth coach. So it's called the Scaling Up Methodology, and I help other business owners across the globe grow their businesses. Our goal is to help you 10x your business valuation. Nice. Now, you know, I am on the show. Anybody that can scale up their business, you guys got to know about it. So tell us kind of what kind of exciting projects are you working on right now? Uh, right now, you know, we were actually expanding the coaching business, which is really exciting as a business growth coach. You only have a certain amount of capacity, right? You can only take on a certain amount of clients and you will know this. So it's about you know, 20, 25 companies at a time, which is already a lot and keeps you a full plate along the way. So we decided to start hiring a few other coaches. So we actually launched a coaching practice out in South Africa. Long story, you know, we didn't target that territory. We had an amazing individual there and uh, we're actually going over in North America as well in the US. So that, that's what we're doing now. We're bringing on more coaches and trying to help more entrepreneurs. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, we will totally go into that later on. But tell me more about the methodology, what you do, how you do it, and how you help businesses scale. Absolutely. So basically, it's an architecture for your business, right? When you're getting into a business, every business can use this. Mostly what happens is when you're starting your business, like most companies, you're just trying to get by, get that next order, have enough money to pay for payroll, you know, keep your employees happy. And then you start building this thing, and there's a bit of a momentum that happens, the snowball effect. And then you realize one day that you hit a wall. And things are usually a bit of a mess. You know, your culture is not necessarily where it wants to be. You don't have a super clear long-term vision. People are kind of running around with chickens with their heads cut off. And you realize, you know what, we need to take a step back and start working on the business. And often that's when we'll get the call where someone says, you know what, things are not going the way we want to. We want to continue having profitable growth, but we don't know what to do. So we'll get into the business. We'll do an assessment. We'll say, okay, what's going well? What needs a little bit of work? Are your people where they need to be? You have a good onboarding process. You have a good recruiting process. How's your strategy, short-term, long-term, and medium-term? You know, how's your financials? Is cash flow healthy? Once we've done that diagnostic and understand where the business is at, we'll start our methodology scaling up. So we'll come in, we'll spend two full days with the team. Usually we like to work with strategic teams and really build all the core parts of the business. We'll build core values, why the company exists, the big, hairy, audacious goal, if you ever heard that term from Jim Collins, which is, you know, that long-term wild goal that you have as a business. We'll also work on things like your core sandbox. So who are your core clients? Who are the core territories that you're going after? Your brand promises. Once we've done that, we'll assess the people in the team and really understand if your team's strong enough. And then we'll build your three-year, one-year, 90-day plan. And then we'll give you that kind of support throughout the year, making sure that you keep following up on that vision and on that alignment. That is awesome. Love that. So when you're working with businesses, um, like, well, let's start with what's your ideal business? Who do you love, love, love to work with? So it's a fantastic question. And, you know, the way we look at the niche business is that typically when the business is you know, from zero to 
about 3 million. It's probably a little too small to take on the scaling up process because a lot of times those will be solopreneurs wearing a million different hats. And the problem is that you can put a strategic plan together, but you're alone or you have one or two team members and you don't really have enough. Your org chart is me, 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 me. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the org chart. It's like, what do you do? I do marketing. I do sales. I do ops. I do, you know, finance. What happens is when you start getting to that three to four to $5 million range, you usually have the capacity to start bringing in a couple of good team members. And that's where we really like to come in at that about four to $5 million range. And then we take companies that are anywhere between, you know, 150 to 200 million. So that's kind of from 5 million to about 200 million. When you get over 200 million, it becomes very bureaucratic. There's way too many employees. And it's almost impossible to have a solo vision in the business that everybody adheres to. So that's going to be about the size, but it's very industry agnostic. You know, people ask me what industries you work with. And I mean, the range of industries is crazy. It's SaaS, it's manufacturing, you know, there's a construction, there's real estate. It can really be applied to any business because it's the business fundamentals at the end of the day. Right. I love that. Well, and I find that usually when somebody's building their business and it feels chaotic, but it has to be. I mean, you have to try everything and you have to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I think people do get lost in that in that thinking that that is business. It's an essential part of business because you have to figure out how to sell your thing, the way you sell it to, who you're selling it to, who wants to buy it, all that kind of fun stuff. But then once you have you know, three or four clients and you have some repeatable patterns, I think that's the time people should be calling you to go, okay, okay, now we have some repeatables, this is actually working and, and we can do that. Um, because to me, the sooner you can see that there's those repeatable patterns, the sooner you can chime in on them and maximize them and get somebody like you to to turn it into processes so that they're actually part of the business fundamentals. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Michelle. It really becomes that case in point where you're just doing everything all at once and you're never really taking time to step away from your business and work on it as opposed to working in it. And mm -hmm. it's that discipline that becomes challenging. It's hard for people to say, you know what, I'm going to leave my business for two full days, literally without any distractions and work on strategy. People get really freaked out when we usually tell them that, but as they realize how much they're getting accomplished when they're away from the day-to-day, -day, that's what really gives them that clarity to come back in and say, okay, yeah, how do I serve my customers? What is the customer journey like? Do I have enough cash to make investments and buy another company or you know, really follow through on my initiatives? Once you can figure that part out, it's a lot easier to put a plan together and have that hyper-focus needed to have success. Thanks. So how did you get involved in all of this? How do you go from LED lights to, which is awesome. And I totally want to pick your brain on that one too. Um, That's what I it was a fantastic question. Fantastic question. So what happened was when we started our LED lighting business, we were coming out of a family bankruptcy. So we had a family company that had grown from zero to 50 million. My father-in-law had built that. It was on the TSX stock exchange in Toronto. And it was just a wonderful growth story until it wasn't. So basically- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in 2008, the recession hit. There was a couple of bad company purchases that were made and the whole $50 million business came crumbling down. It was a very sad time for the family. But from the ashes, like the phoenix that rises, my brother-in-law and I had a chance to buy back three divisions. 10 cents on a dollar was a real mess. And we restarted a brand new company in 2009. So and we couldn't even get a bank to support us, Michelle. It was that bad. So we had to use a thing called factoring so for the listeners who, are, who want to know what that is, it's, it's not fun. Factoring is when you use an outside company, it's almost like legal mafia. And what mm. they do is they lend you money at 10% interest and they own your receivables and they own your inventory. And as you sell a bit more, they give you a little bit more availability of funds, but you keep paying this 10% every single month. So it's really tough, but it was actually very helpful to get us to that next stage of our growth. 
So in 2012, we had a bank that finally said, you know what, we're going to support you. So then we're going around, we're patting ourselves on the back. We think we're the, the coolest people on earth. And literally a week later, our biggest competitor came out, copied all 200 of our products and launched them in the market at a dollar less. So we you know, wake up to this. It's a nightmare. We're freaking out. It's like, this is a total disaster. But it was the best thing that ever happened to us because it made us realize, you know what, if somebody could just copy our products and launch them against us, it means our business isn't really set for scaling and set for success. And so at that time, scaling up was actually called the Rockefeller Habits. It wasn't the new methodology, but it was very similar in concept. So we decided to hire a coach and bring in the methodology in our own business. And from 2013 to 2020, and even now in 21, we're continuing to go strong. We've implemented the methodology in our business. So I got to, to do it myself and see how it works. Because at the end of the day, a methodology comes from a book. It's very academic. It's not the same when you apply it to your business, right? There's so many different experiences. There's so many things that are unique to every business out there. So because I have that experience, it was very easy for me a couple of years ago to transition to becoming a business coach that teaches that successful methodology that was able to be done in our own business. So a lot more credibility, right? Oh, absolutely. I love the Rockefeller method. <laughs> it is a, yeah, it, it is a um, well, anything, even for business strategists, it's, it's arduous to go through it and to go, hey, what do I need to do and how do I need to do it? And we already have our brains wrapped around it. So anybody that's not doing that and they're still in the tactical, like let's throw this up against the wall and see what sticks kind of thing. Uh, I, I just can't imagine what it would be like going through it without you. <laughs> that would be kind For of sure. Insane. And you know, Michelle, a lot of people do try to self-implement and I, I give them kudos. It's a, it's a, an interesting thing because there is, you know, a, a blueprint on how to go about it and how to do it. But a lot of times the business owners will realize, you know what, I need someone from the exterior to come in and hold us accountable. Because the thing is, when you're running it yourself as a business owner, you're not really part of the process. You're really just running the process. What you want to be is you're the key strategic person in the business. You need to be able to sit there, give your ideas and participate and not be the one, you know, holding people to an agenda and to a time frame and, you know, just constantly pushing people. You want to be someone who's coming out with the ideas as well. So that's often where they call us and to, to help them. I, I love that because too, also I see that a lot of owners, you know, they, they have their proverbial fingers in the dam trying to stop all these things that are happening and making sure that certain other things aren't. It's like, dude, your job is not in front of the dam or behind the dam. It's like way above and just yeah. observing and watching and being, doing those creative things and love that. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories. Uh, there's been a, re a recent amazing Cinderella story. There's a company called Dialogue and it's a public company now. So you can go look it up, Dialogue Health. So, you know, I came into the business a couple of years ago. The entrepreneur, Sharif, fantastic guy, uh, you know, was really building something big. So that's telemedicine. So you can imagine what happened when the pandemic hit. For them, it was explosive growth because of the fact that, you know, people started saying, I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to be exposed to other people that may have a virus. So I'm going to use the app and, you know, call my doctor that way and reach out to a nurse. And so, you know, they really had this amazing growth and they were really prepared for it because we had put in the right hiring methodologies and the right team from the top down. And so when the pandemic hit, they were ready to bounce on it. And the really cool thing is that they went public. So they IPO'd. When they IPO'd, and people could read this, so it's all public knowledge, but they got a billion dollars in stock requests. So yes, that's a billion. You know, it sounds like Austin yeah. Powers, you know, one billion dollars, <laughs> but it's actually the real, real number, you know, and just from family and friends, they had a hundred million dollars in requests uh, for stocks, you know, so that's, that's a very extreme story, but there's, there's, there's other stories like that out there right now happening with people using the scaling up methodology. 
when we go into a company, our real goal is to tell the business owner, listen, we want to see what your company is worth today. So let's say you can sell your company for $2 million today. You know, just as an example, when we leave here, we want you to be able to sell it for 20. We literally want you to be able to sell it for 10 times what you had uh, you know, projected at the beginning. So that's really our goal. And yeah, the companies that usually do it, if they're able to be disciplined and stick to the process, the ROI is quite often there. Well, yeah, because not everybody's going to go public, but everybody will have an exit or should have an exit strategy at some point, because at some point you're going to either have to transition it, you're going to have to give it to somebody, you're going to have to sell it, you're going to have to liquidate it, whatever your exit plan is, there has to be an exit. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, when we go into a business, the first thing we tell them, we say, we're going to build this business to sell it. And a lot of times entrepreneurs, business leaders will say, well, I don't even want to sell. doesn't matter. Let's build it to sell it. And then it's going to be such a well-oiled machine that then you can just keep it if you want, but you got to build to sell. You got to build as if tomorrow morning you want trying to sell it at max value. You know, that's the mentality we go into there with. That's fantastic. And I absolutely love that when, when a company is positioned to scale properly, they have the opportunity to be able to take advantage of changes in the marketplace because without that ability to scale your hoop, and we were kind of looking at the beginning of the pandemic going, oh my God, what is Zoom going to do? Because there is nothing Zoom could have done to predict that they were going to go from where they were to exponent to the planet coverage within weeks. Like, I don't know how their poor <laughs> C-suites dealt with that, but that must have been just crazy times for them. And I mean, now they have competitors coming into the market and things like that, but like they were very well positioned and they scaled fast and <laughs> did what they had to do. And I can imagine that at that time, I don't know, but that all they really needed was a whole lot of servers and a whole lot of people to man them. But yeah, and that's what's really crazy, isn't it, Michelle, about the pandemic is that there are some businesses that were just incredibly lucky, you know, telemedicine, Zoom. I look at even my own business, the LED lighting business, which I'm still part of, you know, we got lucky because everybody started home renovating. And so they just, you know, no one was traveling anymore. And they said, oh, I'm going to renovate my home and make it look better. So LED lighting actually continued to do very well. And then you look on the flip side, the restaurant industry, the travel industry, event business, all of those took a big hit. However, the best companies, even the ones that were in the negative, unlucky side of the pandemic, good ones found a way to bounce back and to pivot. I know people hate the word, but, you know, to, to be more <laughs> agile. And it's, you know, it's been too used in the last year, but they found but it's way. totally true. I mean, I can't yeah. tell you the smart restaurants in our area that stuck around were the ones that went into demolition renovation right away and put in a drive through. Yeah, and exactly. it was like, wow, that's that's kind of brilliant and that's kind of smart. And anybody that did it, whether it was a, a Denny's or like the mom and pop shop restaurants, those ones survived and the rest of them, like it was kind of questionable hit and miss. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it really comes down at the end of the day. How are you going to react to a situation? Do you have you know financial help? Do you have enough of a cushion? To get you through it, number one. But then, what are you going to do? Are you going to wait for this thing to just disappear? And we saw that, right? A lot of companies just waited around, and unfortunately, some of them are gone at this point. But the ones that decided, you know what, I'm not going to let this beat me down. I'm going to react. I'm going to do things differently. You know, some of them changed their business model for the better, right? We saw that as well. Some people look back and say, you know what, I, I, I would not never want to go back to life before the pandemic. So. And we're one of them. <laughs> I was like, oh, we can work anywhere with anyone, do anything. This is fantastic. And our clients, like before the pandemic, we had to have this conversation. No, I don't need to meet with you. No, I don't need to see you. Like, everything we do is on the cloud. <laughs> like, we're a digital yeah. marketing company. We don't need to be in contact with you. And afterwards, it was like, 
nobody even questioned it. It was like, oh yeah, of course you're just going to do it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree with you. That's fantastic. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, I need you so badly. And I know you mentioned earlier, people running around with chickens with their heads cut off. Like, yeah. Everybody's got a little chicken under their arm. Got a problem in your office, but absolutely. absolutely. Well, there's there's so many different issues that could come up. Number one, I think that we're seeing this a lot in the market right now is the labor shortage. Uh, you know, there is it's an employees market right now. I think that'll shift eventually. But for today, you know, the the workforce is tough to find good people. It's really hard to build that company culture when you can't have a bunch of superstars in your business necessarily. So we really come in there. We teach them a very specific hiring process, which helps them take their ratio of hiring A players from anywhere between 10 and 30%, will we estimate, up to 92%, give or take, um, is about what we've calculated in our business. So we really teach them, here's how you're going to find the absolute best talent for the amount you're willing to pay, by the way, because you know it's very easy to say if you just double salaries, you can find better people. It's all based on what you're willing to pay. So we teach them how to do that hiring, how to brand themselves better in the marketplace. So for me, that's you know what's something we see a lot where the team is kind of falling apart at the seams or they just can't find the right people uh, in the business. Another reason is really poor execution. So you know they have a good idea, they have a good product, but they just can't get it out the door. They can't execute, they're losing money, they don't have any gross margin, the products don't make any sense. And so we'll really help them clean up that. We, we like to introduce lean methodology. If you've heard of that before, the kind of Six Sigma mentality process improvement. So we'll have them go in there. We'll map out their processes and understand, okay, what's happening? Why aren't you making money as a business? So those are just a couple of reasons. But honestly, we could probably go on for about two hours about the reason. Yeah, I'm good that with that. Struggle, right? <laughs> like it's a lot of issues that you could see in businesses. But, you know, the way I like to look at it is there's three, I see it as three levels. You have level one where the person is just, completely exasperated, the entrepreneur is stressed out, they hit a wall, they need help. That's level number one. Level number two is cruise control, which I like to call it that. You're on cruise control, things are fine, you're kind of making money, you're not losing any, you're, things are okay, you're not really hitting a wall, but it's just boring as heck and you just, you wanna grow this thing. So that's kind of level number two. And level number three is the entrepreneur who's super ambitious, they already know that they have a plan, they absolutely wanna scale, they know how they wanna do it, but they still know they need help and they won't be able to do it on their own. So you kind of get those three categories. You could pretty much put every business into one of the three. I noticed as I meet them along the way. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you're in triage number one, <laughs> it really yeah. is. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna have Sean on auto dial. <laughs> triage one is the blood and the guts and the gore. Like that's like usually not a pretty triage. The other two are very clean and easy. It's more like a little ear operation or something. But the first one's a nasty one. Right. So in your experience, how quickly can somebody scale their business using your methodology? So another really amazing question, Michelle, and the thing I'll say is it really depends on what they want, because I think there's this myth about growth. And I always have to debunk it because people come in like, I want to scale. And even, you know, we're teaching a methodology that's called scaling up. But I explain to people, I say, listen, do you want a hundred million dollar business that makes you a million dollars? Or do you want $10 million business that makes you a million? I could promise you the $10 million business making you a million will be way easier to manage and you'll have a way better quality of life than the $100 million business, which will be a heck of a lot of trouble and all kinds of people running around the business. So I need to figure out what it is you want. And what we aim for is what we call profitable growth. So I always tell my clients, I say, unless you're in a situation, which is very rare, but does happen, where you're just burning and churning through the money and all your goal is to have pure revenue growth, which happens for public companies a lot of times. Okay, but that's a rare model. Most private businesses want to have profitable growth. They want to see make you know the business make money every single month. 
So we get into there, we just have to decide what they're trying to do, because if they're trying to scale from a, from a sales perspective or from a revenue perspective, that's one thing. But a lot of times we're going to get, get in there and see that they're not profitable, but they have a lot of fundamental issues in the business. We got to peel back those layers of the onion and say, you know what, let's start with the foundational work first. Just that will get you back on the right track. And then we'll worry about trying to grow your sales. So I don't like to go in there and just tell people we need to put these crazy growth targets. Sometimes the target might be taking profitability from 4% to the 9%. And that's what we're going to focus on. We're not even going to look at top line revenue. So it'll really depend on what the business leader is looking for. Nice. I love that. And of course, you're going to be looking. Well, I say, of course, because that's what we do. So as soon as you find that one profitable um, product or service, and you're looking at how much does it really cost to be able to produce this and how much should we be charging in the market and how do we reposition it? It could be overnight that you're just, you know, if we go and clean house and get rid of all the things that you're losing money on, a lot of people say, oh yeah, but we make up for it in volume. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're killing yourself here. Stop that. Move over to this. And those simple shifts, but it takes an outsider's eye to, to be able to see those more often than not. Yeah, because what you're saying is so incredibly relevant, Michelle, because that whole idea of the price and volume, we do something called cash flow story, which is we take the company's numbers, we'll put them through a software called cash flow story, we'll actually show them the relationship between price and volume and between cost and goods sold and overhead. And it's shocking to me, even the smartest business leaders, when I ask them, what's more important for you, increasing your prices or going after more volume? You know, 95% of the time, it's more of a price increase with no volume increase will actually be way better for your business. And most people answer a volume. Like I just gotta get more volume, just get the volume going. And it's not true. The reality is that if you just sort out your business and, and structure it differently, and maybe have a little more of an aggressive pricing model. When I say aggressive, I mean more aggressive for you, meaning you could be a little more profitable. You could actually lose some clients, but still make more money and add more value to what you're doing. So yeah, you gotta, there's a lot of myths and a lot of you know, false thinking out there that needs to be fixed. Nice. So what is one of your most kind of, I want to say shocking stories, but one of your clients that was like, just had a huge aha moment. They go, oh my God, I get it. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they, you know, our goal is for there for them to be quite a few of them, but uh, I just got off the a call at a, a 90 minute Zoom with a Vancouver client. I won't mention their, their name out of respect for their business, but um, their team was just, ouch. Okay. I'm talking very, very, very weak team altogether, just not where it needs to be. And I kept talking to them. I said, listen, when you bring in, you know, what we call an A player, someone who's top values, top productivity, could hand off responsibility. And these, they have 30 employees and we're looking at these employees and they literally didn't have one out of the 30 that could do that. And they recently brought in someone who's taking care of, you know, everything that's HR and operations. And the person is an absolute, absolute superstar. And it's mm -hmm. like, their minds have been blown and they, they just never knew a world like this existed where they could actually not have to take care of all the hiring, recruiting, uh, recruiting and all the HR policies because they've been doing it themselves for 15 years and literally have someone just purely run with it. And this person is putting together incredible core values with water balls and swag and it's going on all the walls. And you know, that person is doing all these amazing things that they wouldn't have ever even thought of. And they're just realizing the power of having good people. So we often see that because when I work with teams, we'll get into a business, there's the extended team, but even on the strategic teams, often we'll get in there and we'll say, you know, hate to break it to you, but out of the eight people in the room, there's two people that shouldn't be here. And they're like, oh, what do you mean? Well, I said, listen, this VP of sales and this VP of operations are just, they don't fit your culture. They don't care about what you're doing. 
know, they only have a kind of a single-minded, you know, way of thinking. So you, we have to change them, you know, and it's always a big shock for them. And I'm a non-confrontational guy. So it takes me a lot of courage often to say, listen, we got to sit down. And I like people in general. So it's, it's hard for me to say, we got to let this person go. But at the same time, I said, they'll find a better job that suits them and they'll have success elsewhere, but they're just not made for your business. Imagine replacing that person with a superstar who's going to come in and do X, Y, and Z. And when they realize it, and we actually bring in eventually that person with the recruiting processes that we use, you know, it's usually a game changer and it's a huge eye opener most of the time. Nice. I love that because I find that usually that, that linchpin person is a relative or somebody that they owe a favor to or that, you know, friends and family for forever. And it's yeah. like, well, you're not doing them any favors by letting them be mediocre either. Nobody, I don't think anybody really wants to be mediocre in their jobs. Like, and if they are, like, let them go get a union job. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's just my bias opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's like I always say that. I always try to explain to people that you know it's very hard for people to let other people go. In my own LED lighting business, we changed 85% of our team over four years. Wow. So we had to let go of literally 38 people and change them. And you know, I hate hated, I was using the password, I hated letting go of people at first. And then I would get excited. People like, oh my God, you're so dark. You're excited. I said, no, it's because <laughs> this person, I'm gonna get them, you know, put them out of their misery. They hate working for us doesn't work they're going to go find a job that suits them and we're going to bring in a superstar a player that fits our culture and values and it's going to be a win-win at the end of the day it's not going to feel like that for the person being let go on the day it happens but a lot of times eventually they'll realize that it wasn't a good fit for them so i always say to myself you know what we're doing this the right way we're doing it for the right reasons and it is a good feeling when you see that result at the end so and i'm sure if you kept in touch with these people you'd find out that that was the best thing that ever happened to him. I'm so glad I got fired. I mean, every entrepreneur I know has always said that. It's like, oh, and that was the best day. And I mean, yeah, it was mutual. Of course, I hated my job. I thought I should have been good at it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I totally that. agree with you. As we always see at the end of the day, people <laughs> find something else that's better for them. And, you know, it works out for both. But it's, it's hard to get through that fact at first. You know, I think it's a natural human tendency. And that's a good thing that we're not comfortable letting people go. We're not comfortable firing people or even giving negative or critical feedback. I mean, even just asking managers and leaders to do that is like pulling hair. So when you can start having that culture of accountability, we have a lot of different tools to make that happen. And people start really following the vibe and following the vision. It's a lot easier to, to tell someone, listen, you're not following the core values. You don't care about the culture. You don't seem to be into what we're trying to do as a business. So, you know, maybe for you, it might be better to try something else. Right. So. Absolutely. Well, I know our listeners are going to totally want more from you. So how did they start their journey with you? Sure, absolutely. The two best places to find me at LinkedIn. I'm super active. So you just go to Sean Johal on LinkedIn. You'll uh, see me there. And uh, you can come check out our website, elevationleaders.com. And uh, you'll get tons of information there as well. Nice. And do you have any freebies or testers that they can go and just assess and play with you? And Yeah, absolutely. When you come to the website, you're actually going to get to download the Happy Leader Guide. So we give a guide. I wrote a book called The Happy Leader and there's a happiness guide at the end. So we actually give you the happiness guide for free. So you can check out the happiness guide and it gives you lots of tricks on how to be, you know, less stressed in your day-to-day -day business and some tricks about meditation and, you know, how to think big and, and a lot of different ideas there. So, yeah. Beautiful. So go ahead and give us a website again for those who do have some way to write it down. Yeah, www.elevationleaders.com. Awesome. If you happen to be driving right now, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog, and we will have all of Sean's information there. Just do searches on 
scaling and business growth and all that kind of fun stuff. Sean and or a happy leader and you'll find him. Awesome. So before I let you go, I got to ask you this. At what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to become an entrepreneur? You know, it's such a, a, a tough question to answer. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. I came from a family that had two parents that were unionized workers, and they both told me, son, you know, you, you got to watch if you stay at a company for 35 years, so that's what you should do. Just go work for the same company and you'll be happy. And I quickly realized, what the heck, this is not what I want to be doing in life. And it was actually my in-laws, my wife, my brother-in-law, my, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, who are very entrepreneurial. And they kind of took me under their wing and they said, you know what, why don't you try this entrepreneurial journey thing here? You might enjoy it. And so they really Aww. drew me into it. But uh, I'm not one of those entrepreneurs that has the crazy stories of selling things at eight years old and the, you know, <laughs> stealing and selling it to the next person for, you know, I just kind of learned how to become an entrepreneur. And I think there's something to be said about that because I think there is a bit of a myth that entrepreneurs need to be born that way. But I think you can learn to be an entrepreneur. I think you can grow into it. I certainly did. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think the moment you realized that union wasn't for you, that was probably, that was probably more in, indicative than you knew. And and I'm assuming as well that the attraction to your wife, she is a little more high spirited and more gung ho and and all that kind of fun stuff. So for sure. She's way more entrepreneurial than I am. It's so. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much for your time today. I value it and I appreciate it. And but before we let you go, any last words for our peeps? Oh. Last words I would say is work on yourself first. So really, you know, you can't help others. You can't be the best version of yourself out there in the world if you haven't taken care of your own personal demons and issues, and especially making sure you have that highest level of energy. I think we underestimate how important energy is. Uh, you know, if you, if you come on the website, if you see anything that I do, I'm absolutely obsessed with, you know, having the highest level of energy, morning routines, evening routines, you know, journaling, meditation, exercise, I would say, you know, try to get those things incorporated into your day-to-day -day so you can have as much energy as uh, Michelle and myself here. And you know, once you have that level of energy, you know, the rest will follow and be easy to do. I love that. Thank you so much. This is Michelle Nedelag. Thank you for being here with us today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show or you have a topic or question you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.